2 Corinthians 3.18, if you have your Bible open to there with me tonight. 2 Corinthians 3.18. One of my go-to verses because I believe it's a continuation in our life. But we all, with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as by the Spirit of the Lord. A few of us have been praying over this verse in 2 Corinthians as our theme verse for our upcoming women's conference this fall. We've been pondering that phrase from glory to glory, which simply means transitioning in his presence day by day, one act of obedience, one act of surrender, one act of trust at a time. And the Holy Spirit magnified that word transformed to me this week. Words inspire me. I don't, I don't know. I just can hear a word and then I'm, I want to go check it out. Words have the ability to speak life or death according to Proverbs 18, 21. Words have impact. So when a rhema word is read or released and it becomes revelation, it's a God-breathed word in, in the right season it can change the trajectory of your mindset. And you, you know what I'm talking about. You've heard, you, you've opened your own Bible or you've been in someone teaching or preaching and you've heard a verse and you've heard it and, and it's a verse and it's powerful, but there'll be a time when there will be a light bulb that will go off. It'll be a moment when it's rhema. There's something different about it. You, you feel a shift in your spirit. You feel a shift in your mind because God is doing something in that moment in you. He's rolling back the curtain and he's giving you a glimpse. It, it can lift you. A rhema word can lift you out of a dark night of the soul. It can... Quicken your spirit and divide the truth from the lie. You're, you're, you're no longer in darkness. You can no longer meander around in the gray area or in the trenches because that rhema word now has brought revelation. There's no more guessing about it. You know. It's been divided out. It can transform your whole future when you have a rhema word. When the word becomes God-breathed, Jesus said in John 6, 63, it is the spirit who gives life. The flesh profits nothing. The words that I speak to you are spirit and they are life. So my prayer tonight is that the word transformation becomes rhema to you. And the verse in 2 Corinthians 18 becomes a rhema verse to you that you Go back to it over and over and over again, understanding that we now, with unveiled face, we now know the Lord. We're looking at him. We're looking at his word as in a mirror. We're beholding his glory, and we're being transformed in his image from glory to glory by the spirit of the Lord. That From that, we will become more intentional and more desperate. For the Lord. That's what a rhema word will do. Transformation is the state of being transformed. 
in cha- a change in form, appearance, nature, disposition, condition, or character. Webster defines it to change in character or condition, to convert. In the Bible, transformation means a change or renewal from a life that no longer conforms to the ways of the world to one that pleases God. We're taught over in Ephesians 5 and 1 that we're called to be imitators of God. We're to be Christ-like in our behaviors and in our attitudes. We're living epistles. We're physical representations of Christ. We're the gateway through which heaven invades earth. Do you understand that? that um, honor, yet that responsibility. It's kind of a dual role. What a privilege that we have to call heaven to earth. So, So in order to do that, change has to take place. Christine Kane said, Jesus is not into behavior modification. He is into heart transformation. Transformation is both a miracle from God, but it's also the stewardship of man. We play a part in transformation. It's, it's immediate as well as progressive. When you look in 2 Corinthians 3 and 18, where it tells us that we are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, when you look at it in, in the NIV, it says we're being transformed into his image with ever-increasing glory. When you look in the ESV, it says we are being transformed into the image from, I love this, from one degree to another. Our new life in Christ begins this transformation process. It starts there. We recognize our emptiness, uh, that we, we need God. Uh, we, we are drawn by the Holy Spirit, by his goodness and his mercy the grace of Jesus Christ, and as we surrender our life by faith to Jesus, we are cleansed, we are justified, we are changed by the saving grace of Jesus Christ. His blood cleanses us from all unrighteousness. The cross of Christ means there's been a radical transformation 1 Corinthians 6 and 11 says, you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ by the spirit of our God. And then 1 Corinthians 5, 17, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, you can say it with me, he is a new creation. All things have passed away. Behold, all things become new. Over in Colossians, it says that we have been rescued or delivered from the dominion of darkness. We've been translated into the kingdom of his son. We have redemption in him, the forgiveness of sin. It's a transformation. Salvation is immediate. It's instantaneously. The minute by faith we ask Jesus into our life, his blood washes us, cleanses us, clean. The old is gone, the new is come. Transformation. That's where it begins. But it's also progressive and proactive. And it's accomplished through the partnership of God with man. It takes our compliance. Ephesians 5 and 8 says, For at one time you were in darkness, but now you are light in the world. Walk, live, 
as children of the light. We're instructed, we're commanded to walk as children of the light. This was not a suggestion. It was not a request. To continue in this transformation process from the time that we accept the Lord into our life, we need discipled. Discipleship needs to become a part of our growth process. Discipleship is intentional. It's an intentional journey. It's decisions that help us to grow in God's word and leads us into a deeper relationship with Christ. It's becoming part of a body. Church is important. That's why I'm so glad you're here tonight. You know it's important. We're, we're not to forsake the assembling of ourselves together. We need one another. We need to be among even seasoned saints that can teach us and, and preach to us and help us to grow and, and we can love on one another. It's becoming a student of the word. It's reading his word, studying his word. It's meditating on it and hiding it in our heart. Second Timothy tells us that his word will correct. It will reprove, it will rebuke, but it will also train us in righteousness that we will be thoroughly equipped for every good work. This word will train us. Over in Psalms 144, it tells us that he trains our hands for battle and our fingers for war. The, the, this book is, is filled with uh, instruction, with life lessons, with victory, with ways to walk in victory and in the, the ways of God. It will train us in righteousness. His word has power to protect us, to guide us, to lead us, to sustain us, to heal us, to build faith in us, to sanctify us. John 17, 17, Jesus prays and says, sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. This word, his word is the perfect law of liberty. It's living and active. This word became flesh and dwelt among us. This word is Jesus Christ. It is living and it is truth and it will guard us and help us to grow in God Transformation is produced in us when we come into agreement and into alignment with the word. We can hear it all day long, but if we don't do anything, we're not going to grow. Kevin Wallace says, sometimes your flesh wants something that your future doesn't need. I'm going to say that again. Sometimes your flesh want something your future doesn't need. That's why I love Romans 12, 1 and 2. It, it gives us insight how to put the flesh in its proper place so that our spirit man can grow in the image of Christ. Again, we're partnering with the Lord through discipleship. He said, I beseech you therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies as a living sacrifice, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable act of service. It's the least we can do. And be not conformed to this world, to its patterns. Don't buy into everything that's going on, but be transformed Changed in your thinking, 
by the renewing of your mind so that you can tell and prove what is the perfect will of God. In order for spiritual formation and transformation to continue in our lives, we have to be doers of the word and not hearers only. James 2.17 tells us that faith without works is... So faith is proactive. So is transformation. We play a part in it. You're here tonight because you want to be changed into the image of God. That's why you're here. You're hungry. You're thirsty. You want to be obedient to the word and God honors that. And he's doing something in you. Transformation is proactive in that we must engage our faith through obedience for there to be any type of power or fruit produced in our life. We can sit in church all along and never have victory. We can never, we may never grow in grace or produce the fruit of the Spirit because faith requires works, it requires action. We may walk our whole time and in, in, in live in church for years and not walk in victory or freedom in our worship because we don't become doers of what we already know. So then we're still in bondage. We're still enslaved. We, we may have salvation, but we're really not free. But where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty or freedom. God's word brings liberty, brings transformation. So we engage through our faith. John 14, 21, Jesus said, whoever has my commandments and keeps them is the one who loves me. The one who loves me, he will be loved by my father and I will love him and I will reveal myself to him. So as we as we uh, submit ourselves in obedience and we do what we already know to do, God begins to manifest himself to us. And if he's manifesting himself to us and we're in his presence, what do we typically become? Who do we typically act like? Those we're around. Those we keep company with. When I go to Oklahoma, now I understand that my accent never fully goes away. But when I go to Oklahoma, it's like I drive over that line. I go into my parents' home. The phone will ring. I'll answer the phone. And they immediately always thought that I was my mother. I pick right back up just being around in that atmosphere. When we put ourselves and we begin to become proactive in our faith and we begin to do kingdom things, then we begin to attract the presence of God and he manifests himself to us. We begin to act like the one we hang around. We begin to look like him. We really don't have to clean up even a lot of language and different things because we're in the presence and his glory is being revealed. So sometimes we're worried about how are we going to give this up and grow in that and give that up. Just get in his presence and you'll start acting like him. And you'll start looking like him. And then the mind of Christ will become your mind. We are called to use our time and talents for the kingdom of God. 
We have gifts, every one of us, that help strengthen the body and fulfill the great commission of reaching those that are lost. First Peter 4 and 10 says, God has given each of you a gift from the great variety of spiritual gifts. Use them to serve one another. We're still talking about being doers of the word, being proactive in our faith. Romans 12 and 6 says, in his grace, God has given us different gifts for doing certain things well. And then he goes on and he expounds on those gifts. 1 Corinthians 12, 14 teaches us that though we are many members, we're one body, but we have different functions. And here's the reality. And we just heard this again. Statistics prove, now I'm not talking just lock in, so hear what I have to say. Churches as a whole, 20 to 30% is all that's in, truly involved in serving and the work of the ministry. So that means that 20 to 30% are taking on dual roles or serving in several capacities to accomplish the mission of the kingdom. What is difficult is the church is made up of people, imperfect people. And to truly grow, we have to learn to bear with one another in love. It's not always easy because our personalities are different. We got to learn to work through conflict and continually provoke one another to good works. When it gets hard, oftentimes... We get hurt, we often quit, and we miss experiencing the degrees of God's glory that will transform our life on so many levels that will reveal the nature and the glory of God. The reality is, is that a lot of believers stay stagnant or regress because we want to be served, but we don't want to serve. And when that happens, what happens is this is what creates a lot of times church splits or people leaving. This wasn't in my notes, so just flow with me here. Is if we're not, it's very easy to sit back and to become critical. I mean, if you're not the one that's put the hard work in or done the legwork or, or, or spent hours cleaning the church or, or mowing the lawns or, or getting ready for a Sunday school class, it's easy to criticize how the lawn looks or how the sermon was or how the message was. Because we're not participating, we are spectating. But when you get in there to be a doer and not just to hear, you put yourself before God, you, you lay yourself out there you're, you're in the grind too. It gives opportunity for Holy Spirit to begin to help your character, help you grow, help you to produce fruit in your life. Does that make sense? One of the most prolific personal spiritual transformation that will ever happen to us as believers will be through our seasons of surrender. It's the most transformational time in our lives is through seasons of surrender. 
this part of our Christian journey is where we often struggle the most. We, we now have enough of God that we know there's victory in Jesus. We know there's right from wrong. We have caught glimpses of his glory, so we're vested just enough that... But we're not all the way in. We're hesitant to go too deep. We still want to pamper our flesh on certain levels and certain days and on certain occasions, even though we sense him as a believer calling us to full surrender that will propel us from faith to faith, strength to strength, glory to glory. We're holding back just a little bit because sometimes it's out of fear of what it will cost us. Sometimes it's out of uh, condemnation. The enemy will condemn you into thinking that you're not worthy. You'll never grow. You'll never be good enough. There's various reasons. It, it isn't always just rebellion. Sometimes it's the battle of the mind that is going on. But even that comes down to where there comes a point in our life where we have to be willing to take a step of surrender and probe the depths of God's love and his goodness and take him at his word. That's where real growth begins to happen in your life. That's where you really experience one degree of glory to another. You don't want to stay down here where you're just waiting and getting your feet wet when you can swim in deep waters, when you can be out there where everywhere the river goes, everything lives. God wants us to experience abundance now. A life of surrender is where deep calls to deep. It's where transformation becomes personal. And it becomes about, not just about what can, what can God do for me? What can I get out of this service? But it becomes about hosting the presence of God every day. It, it, it becomes about, God, how can I serve you? How can I honor you? What, what do you want to do in my life? How do you want to work in me? It, it, it's, it's a different space. It's a different degree. It's, it's different. Samuel Rodriguez said, Does, God doesn't call the ones that have it all. He calls the ones that are willing to surrender it all. I don't have it all together. I haven't arrived yet. Surrender isn't spiritual isn't a spiritual split personality where I'm secular one day and I'm sacred the next, where I live carnally at work and at home or around friends and then live spiritually at church or around certain people. But it's where with my whole heart, my whole mind, my whole soul, I have decided that I'm going to follow Jesus. Surrender is the kingdom stage. I love kingdom. It's where we grow up in him. It's where we start putting away childish things. It's where we cast off the work of darkness. It's where we tell our flesh, no. 
It's where we lay aside weights that so easily slow us down and sins that impede our progress. It's where we die to self. It's where we know in order to grow, we must decrease so he can increase. We play a part. We're a steward of our transformation. It is God, the Holy Spirit, that does the work, but we have to yield and surrender and allow him access into our heart and into our mind to do what needs to be done. Sometimes our greatest season of growth comes when we pass through the valley of Baca, the place of weeping. No one can go there with us. It's a tragedy. It's a conflict it's a crisis it's something that interrupts our life our unexamined life and we have to look inward and ask ourselves what foundation am I truly building on who am I going to church for who am I trying to impress who am I trying to please who is truly the Lord of my life how am I going to respond in this situation? Who am I going to trust? Am I going to trust God in this season when I don't see the way out? The biggest challenge for all of us is understanding our sufficiency is in Christ, the all-sufficient one. Our help is in Christ and our transformation comes through the power of his blood and through the power of the Holy Spirit. It's no longer I that lives, but Christ that lives in me. I am no match for the enemy. I am no match for the enemy. I have been telling God that through this pride month when the darkness just keeps getting louder and louder and the brazenness keeps rising up. And I say that in humility because my heart breaks for where we are right now. And for the deception, I am no match for the enemy. But the greatest spirit in the earth is still the Holy Spirit. And he's greater than any work of darkness. He made an open show of the enemy on the cross. And we have that same spirit that now dwells and lives in us. And we have to begin to surrender and grow and be kingdom people so the kingdom of God can invade the earth and the church can arise and the enemy has to scatter. Because when the church arises, we are throwing out a lifeline to those that are lost. They're going to be drawn and attracted to freedom and to the light. No one wants to live in the darkness forever. We've got to keep moving forward. We've got to keep allowing Holy Spirit to transform us and to change us into his likeness. Every one of us, he's drawing us into deeper places. We're in a constant tug of war with the flesh trying to dominate the spirit. It is loud, it's demanding, it's selfish, and it's self-destructive. Even as Christians... Our flesh throws fits. And we have to learn through intention to submit to the lordship of Jesus Christ through the power of the Holy Spirit. Submitting, surrendering, yielding. It's through our surrender. 
It's through our obedience. It's through our trust. One step at a time. One step at a time that we experience the goodness of God, the fullness of God, the glory of God, the activity of God, the presence of God. It's where we encounter his kingdom and his dominion that reigns above all. It's in the deep places. It's when we yield and submit and surrender one act of obedience at a time. If we fail and we will, don't lay down for too long. Get up, dust yourself off, look back at him. It's just like we are with our children. We're like, come on, you can do it. That's how the spirit of God is. Come on, you can do it. You're going to make it. Here's the beautiful thing. A surrendered life is a transformed life that enjoys the hidden treasures, the riches of God that are stored in secret places according to Isaiah 45 and 3. It's where we can declare with the psalmist in 119.77, let your tender mercies come to me that I may live for your law is my delight. It's where his commands are no longer burdens. It's where I'm not trying to hide from God one moment and dabble and then come over here but right here everything that I have everything that I am I give to you I want to close one writer puts the degrees of transformation as cleaning up growing up waking up and showing up I'm going to say that again Cleaning up, growing up, waking up, and showing up. And I want to encourage you tonight. I don't want you to be hard on yourself. I don't want you to go out of here and feel like I'm never going to get there. I'm never going to make it. I'm never going to be spiritual enough. It is one step at a time. God loves you where you are. He loves you immensely where you are. He's not here tonight to judge you and bash you and beat you up. As a matter of fact, I believe he's smiling on Lachlan at all the beautiful faces that made the effort to come out and love on him tonight. But what he does is he says, come to me, rest in me, Quit trying to do it by yourself. Quit trying to get all cleaned up and prettied up by yourself. Quit thinking that you have to wait until you're fully mature or you've got everything in order to pray in the Spirit. Pray in the Spirit because He gives you the gift of the Spirit to build your most holy faith and to pray in the Holy Ghost when you didn't know how to pray when you were weak. That's where transformation comes. A lot of it is the mindset. It's being transformed by the renewing of your mind that you understand, I've got to rest in him. I cannot do this by myself. And he's not even asking you to. If you have a bad week and you blow it and you're still working on language or other things, still working on some struggles or some addictions, you keep yourself right here. Planted right in the kingdom of God. 
And if you've had a bad week and you've lost your temper, you said things that you shouldn't, you repent of that, you get up and you lift your hands. Don't you dare let the enemy silence your praise because you had a bad time. That's where transformation comes from, is in his presence. He's calling us deeper. He loves us. There's something happening in the heavenlies right now. The war that we're in, what we're up against, what's pushing against us, we cannot do it without the help of Holy Spirit. We cannot. But every day, as we look in the perfect law of liberty, he's changing us into his image. We're being transformed from one degree of glory to another. We're growing up in him. It's not about how I feel. It's not how I feel. It's by faith, Marshall. I'm going to keep pressing because it's by faith. It's in who he is. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus Christ and righteousness.